Um, well, you know that saying, mother knows best, and there's some truth to it, right? You can just imagine it. Oh, hold on, little Sarah, running across the road when there are cars, not such a good idea. Mother knows best. Or actually, little Jane cat food is for cats, not little girls. Mother knows best. I know we might not all have had perfect mothers, um, but when we're little, we generally trust that mum knows what's best for us because we love her, she loves us, we think that she knows what's going on. Perhaps, though, we could rebrand that saying uh, that God knows best. He knows a lot better than our mothers who were fallible. And God knows what is best because God is wise. And so, because God is wise, we can trust him even when things don't make sense to us. But sometimes it's really hard to believe that. It's much easier to think that we know best. We know best uh, what kind of job we should have. We know best who we should marry. We know best how to spend our time and our money. But so often we get it wrong. We fail to trust that God knows what is best and we don't always know what is best. And perhaps we feel that most of all when life is messy and painful. So today, I want us to remember that because God is wise, we can be too. I want us to know that we can trust him in hard times. So we'll think about three questions. They're on your outline. What does it mean that God is wise? How do we begin to be wise? And how can we keep growing in wisdom? Well, our first point, God is wise. I want to define wisdom as knowing what is best and the best way to achieve it. And God always knows what is best and God always knows the best way to achieve it. What is best? Um, Best does not necessarily mean comfort or happiness or success. Best means God's glory. Best means that we grow to be more like Jesus that we put sin to death in our lives and that we're grown more in our love and knowledge of him. And Steph will expand later on that in her final talk. The Bible often describes God as wise. Romans 16.27 describes God as the only wise God. Job 9.4 says that God's wisdom is profound. Daniel 2.20 says praise be to the name of God forever and ever wisdom and power are his and Paul cries out in Romans eleven thirty three, oh the depth of the wisdom and knowledge of God and if we want a concrete example of God knowing what is best and knowing the best way to achieve it then we can look no further than the cross in 1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 25, Paul contrasts two types of wisdom. I'll get you to look that up now. So it's 1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 25, and Anna's going to read it for us. All right, so it's on, it's on page 807 if you haven't got it yet. So 1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 25. For the message of the cross is foolish to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, 
The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. So Paul's showing us what the world thinks wisdom is, and then he shows us true wisdom from God. See, the Corinthians, they lived in a world that was actually very similar to ours. It's a world that valued intelligence and status, a world that valued wealth and power. And the wisdom that they sought was not from God, it was a human type of wisdom. The wisdom that they wanted was rational inquiry, it was knowledge and intelligence. And it was concerned with influence, honour and power. And Sydney's really like that too. But God's wisdom turns the world's wisdom upside down. God says it in verse 19, which is a quote from the book of Isaiah. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Because he is wise, God knew that the best way to defeat evil make himself known and save those who believe was not through human wisdom. Rather, it was through the cross. The cross is the end of human wisdom. It makes human wisdom foolish. Verse 20 asks, where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Verse 18 says that the cross is foolishness to the world. They laugh and they scorn. And you've probably experienced that reaction to the cross amongst your colleagues, family and neighbours. The world values power, status and success and the cross is an affront to those values. The cross, well, it seems evil, shameful, a rejection. The cross doesn't seem like the best plan for God to make himself known to us. How is it that Jesus, innocent, wrongly tried and convicted, beaten and nailed to a cross, is the best way for us to know God? Saying that the cross is wise is like saying that the market has collapsed and the holiday has been cancelled and shouldn't we all be glad about it? God's wisdom appears totally foolish to the world. So why did God do it this way? If wisdom is knowing what is best and the best way to achieve it, is the cross really wisdom? Is the cross really the best way for us to know God? Yes, because God didn't want to be known by human wisdom, verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. If God could be known through human intelligence or knowledge, then we'd become proud and we'd boast about it. And God didn't want that. God's wisdom excludes human boasting. God has destroyed, ups, uh, outsmarted and upstaged the world's wisdom. No, God knew that the best way for us to know him was through the cross. 
On the cross, God's wisdom was shown in Jesus. God has secured for us righteousness, holiness, and redemption from verse 30. Righteousness means that we're made right with God. It's as though we're in court and God pardons us for our sinfulness. He declares us innocent in Jesus and puts right our broken relationship with him. Holiness means that we've been set apart to belong to God. God has taken possession of us in Christ, marked us for his special purpose. My mum has special china and cutlery that is in the dining room and hardly ever gets used. It only gets used on special occasions. When God makes us holy, we're like the special china, set apart for his use. And redemption means that we've been rescued from our slavery to sin. We were captives and Jesus set us free. What wonderful things God's wisdom in the cross has achieved for us. We're made righteous, holy and redeemed. God really did know what was best and the best way to achieve it. And so to accept God's wisdom in Jesus, we must first renounce our own wisdom the wisdom of the world. Let's remember that the world boasts in its intelligence and knowledge and power, but that those things are foolish. We know that God is truly wise and he's shown it to us on the cross. The cross proves that God is wise and humans are foolish. And so if we ever doubt God's wisdom, we just need to look at the cross. We can trust that he knows best. And when things are hard, when life hurts, you can know that God is doing what is best for you and he's achieving it in the best way. Let me tell you a story. 18-month-old Jessica McClure was trapped down a well shaft in her aunt's backyard in Texas. This little girl had been sitting in, her back, in the backyard just dangling her feet over a small opening in the ground But when she stood up, she fell into darkness. And she was trapped with one leg up and the other leg down. She was above the water, but she was seven metres below ground. So her rescuers drilled a hole parallel to the well shaft and then they tunnelled across to join up with her. But this took much longer than anyone had anticipated. And so 58 hours later the medics were getting seriously concerned about dehydration and shock. Finally, the rescuers made it through and they reached her, but because of the way she was stuck, they couldn't actually get to her and pull her out. Um, But the medics decided that there was no time left, they couldn't wait any longer, and so they gave the instructions to the rescuers, pull hard. She does not have more time, you may have to break her to save her. And so they pulled and Jessica was freed. And it might feel sometimes as though God is trying to break you. You might feel so weighed down and burdened that you really can't see how God is doing the best thing. But just like those medics and rescuers knew what was best for Jessica, God knows what is best for you. He's working to save you and make you more like Jesus. He's working for his glory. And so even though it might feel like you are trapped and breaking, he is doing the best thing. God is wise. 
And because God is wise, we can be too. So now let's turn our attention to the next questions. How do we begin to be wise and how do we keep growing in wisdom? We'll look at Proverbs for our answers. The theme of the whole book of Proverbs is wisdom. So if we remember our definition of wisdom, wisdom means knowing what is best and the best way to achieve it. And best is God's glory and us being made like Jesus. God has built an order into our world. And so wise people are those who know how to relate to God and relate to each other in that created order. So Proverbs is really like a guidebook for wise living. And Proverbs 9.10 tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear God is the beginning of wisdom. Do you want to be wise? Do you want to trust God when life is complicated and you need guidance? Then fear God. But what does it mean uh, to fear God? It's definitely not a trembling, incapacitating dread. Heidi's just pointed out to us that the Bible says over and over again, do not be afraid. No, I, I think that fear of the Lord is knowing who we're dealing with and responding correctly. And we've done it already because when we became Christians, we feared the Lord. It was because we realised who we were and we realised who God was and we responded in faith and repentance. We recognised our foolishness and we recognised God's wisdom displayed in the cross. So it is right to fear God's power and wrath, his hatred of sin, his coming judgement. It is right to fear him because he sees and knows all things. It is right to fear the one who spoke to Job out of the storm and said, brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. So let's know who we're dealing with and respond correctly. But let's also remember that we deal with a God who is patient, kind, just, compassionate, slow to anger, quick to forgive, abounding in love and mercy, who sent his son to die for us, whose spirit dwells in us, who created us and sustains us and delights in us, who loves to hear us pray, who's adopted us into his family and encourages us to call him father. Let's know who we're dealing with and respond correctly. So to fear the Lord is not a cringing terror. It is a reverent obedience, a worshipful submission, a holy awe. And when we fear the Lord, we're trusting his wisdom. We're accepting that he knows what is best. John Piper puts it this way. A woman who fears the Lord will not run away from God to satisfy her longings and relieve her anxieties. She will wait for the Lord. She will hope in God. She will stay close to the heart of God and trust his promises. The prospect of departing into the way of sin is too fearful to pursue and the benefits of abiding in the shadow of the Almighty too gracious to forsake. I don't know about you, but I often struggle to trust that God is wise and I struggle to be wise myself. We just need to grow in our fear of God. We need to grow in satisfying our longings and relieving our anxieties in him 
We need to grow in waiting for him, hoping in him, staying close to his heart and trusting his promises. We need to grow in our fear at the prospect of departing into the way of sin and in our desire to abide in his gracious shadow. And one of the ways God will grow us in our fear of him and in our trust is through the circumstances in which we find ourselves, especially the difficult circumstances. So what circumstance are you finding yourself in right now? What kind of year has it been so far? If there have been difficulties, then you are well-placed to grow in your fear of God and your trust in his wisdom. So ask yourself, am I going to use this for God's glory, to trust his wisdom, to grow in my fear of him? Or will I let bitterness and resentment creep in? Whatever's going on for you, don't waste it. Remember who you're dealing with and respond appropriately. Fear God and you will grow in wisdom. So God is wise. We begin to be wise by fearing him and will grow in wisdom through our circumstances. But are there some other ways we might grow in wisdom? Grow in our ability to discern what's best? Most definitely. Let's go to Proverbs again to answer our third question. How can we grow in wisdom? And I want to share four simple ways. To start with, we need to be observant. Proverbs 6.6 tells the sluggard to go and observe the ant and learn from its ways. We can become wise by being tuned in to what's going on around us. We can watch people we consider wiser than ourselves and learn from them. And we can watch foolish people and learn what the opposite of wisdom looks like. This will be especially helpful when we're figuring out how to trust God in hard times. So I've learned what it looks like to be wise when you're suffering by observing some friends at college. They desperately wanted children, but were told that they couldn't have them. As individuals, they both had fertility issues. But they kept trusting God knew what was best for them. They cried out to him, they sought help, they prayed, they cried. They were wise and they knew that God was too. And so I've learnt how to deal with pain by observing them. And I think I've learnt more from hearing Heidi as well. So I think it'd be a great idea if we all started observing someone that we consider wise. Not in a creepy stalker way with binoculars, um, but there are many wise women here at church, in our families, amongst our friends, who set a wonderful example for us to learn from. Those of you who are married or who hope to be married, uh, maybe observe a wife in the next stage of life to you. How does she love her husband? How do they serve God together? Those of us who are working, how does a Christian woman act with integrity and professionalism in her workplace? Find someone who's doing it well and learn from them. Because at some point, we will all suffer loss and grief. And so if we watch someone now, and we'll be prepared for that situation and for others in our everyday lives. Next, we need to listen to instruction. Proverbs 19.20 says, Listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end you will be counted among the wise. So, do you listen to advice? Not the advice of Cleo or your non-Christian workmates, but the advice of godly, wise brothers and sisters. Because far too often we think we know what's best 
and so we make decisions without seeking advice or counsel. But the wise woman has a trusted advisor, someone who knows her well and can help her make decisions. And the other part of instruction is accepting discipline. So if someone corrected you or pointed out a flaw in your character, how would you react? A friend of mine recently asked her husband to point out any ways that he thought she was being sinful and he told her that she was bitter. And she really struggled to hear this. She was quite hurt and not sure what to make of it. And she's really finding dealing with that sinfulness hard work. But she was so courageous to seek instruction from her husband. And because she trusts that God is wise, she's using that painful situation in the best way for his glory to be made more like Jesus. So I hope you'll be a wise woman who's open to both advice and discipline. We also need to learn from our mistakes. Proverbs 26.11 says that as a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Do you learn from your mistakes? We all do stupid things. Um, But when you do, do you take time to reflect on the situation and consider why you did things the way you did and how you could do them better next time? A few weeks ago, I badly burnt my hand. I was filling up my hot water bottle at the zip boiler in college and I was staring distractedly out the window at the same time. I must have just shifted my hand about a centimetre and I copped a stream of boiling water straight over it and it hurt. And I knew that I was meant to run it under cold water um, but after about two minutes I was bored of standing in the kitchen so I went to bed. And four days later uh, I woke up with a a very... (laughs) badly burnt hand I had to go to the doctor it was peeling and weeping and it was black uh, and there's still a scar so that was very foolish of me and now when I fill out my hot water bottle I give it my full concentration (laughs) and next time I get burnt I know that you're meant to run it under cool water for at least 10 minutes so I learnt from my mistake in a small way I'm wiser than I was before burning my hand now that's a really trivial example um, but I hope you see the point Try to learn from your mistakes in all areas of life and learn from the mistakes of others too. And most importantly, we need to listen to the God who is at the heart of all wisdom as he reveals himself to us. It's our fourth way of being wise, Revelation. We've seen that Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, how can we fear God if we don't know him? How can we trust God if we don't know him? How can we be wise if we don't know him? So we need to get to know God. And we get that knowledge by reading the Bible and applying it to our lives. Now, I don't want to berate you about your quiet times or lack thereof. I know that I find it difficult to prioritize Bible reading. And I've been trying to figure out why this is. And I think it's because we forget that we're foolish, but God is wise. We think that we've got things figured out. We think that getting through our to-do list is more important than spending time in God's word. So I want to really gently encourage you in whatever way you can to develop a love for God's word. By reading the Bible, we get to know our Father. We learn of his plans and purposes for us. We're shown our sinfulness, we're encouraged, we're spurred on, and we're equipped for life. 
So it might be that you need to get up a little bit earlier or listen to sermons on the train on the way to work or download an audio Bible app for use on your phone. See, God's word helps us to know God's wisdom. So for example, God's word says that we should take time from our work to rest. We should trust that he knows best and follow through on that. God's word says we should marry someone who will encourage us in our faith, someone who loves God. We should trust that he knows best and obey him. God's word says that when people mock us for our faith, we are blessed. We should trust that he knows best and cry out to him. And God's word says be generous. So we should trust that he knows best and put that into practice. But of course the world will disagree. They'll say, work long hours to get ahead. Marry whoever makes you happy. Faith is a psychological crutch. Save and invest money and buy yourself nice things. But we shouldn't be surprised when that happens. Because remember that God's wisdom is foolishness to the world. We saw that in 1 Corinthians. But we can trust that God knows best. So please do whatever you can to seek God's revelation. How else will you figure out how to live in this confusing and painful world if you're not listening to God who speaks through his word? So those are some simple things that we can put into practice and we'll start growing in wisdom. So let's sum up. God is wise. He knows what's best and he knows the best way to achieve it. Because God is like this, we can trust him and we should fear him. By fearing God, we begin to be wise ourselves. We can grow in wisdom by observation, instruction, learning from mistakes and revelation. And by trusting that God is wise and seeking to be wise ourselves, we can live life in the best possible way in this confused and messed up world, even when life hurts.